Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hello winners, this week's hoovering is with one of my heroes, fast show star and legend, as well as being in loads of brilliant stuff at the moment, including Two Doors Down, it's Arabella Weir. First up, cheers for listening to hoovering and that. Um, If you could tell other people about it, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, You can do it on the internet, or you can do it from two metres away. Uh, One way of telling other people about it is to give it a five star review. And do subscribe. I mean, it, that saves everybody admin, doesn't it? If you've got spare, delicious, actual money, uh, then I am obviously fine if you want to support the podcast financially as well. Go to supporter.acast.com forward slash hoovering and you can put in a one-off amount, like maybe a pound or many pounds. Um, if you want to be someone who gives me a tiny bit of money every month, or, or a big bit if you're loaded, um, please become my patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod and you'll see all sorts of stuff I'll swap you uh, in exchange for your wedge. Um, and I'll give you updates on what the wedge is spent on, etc, etc, etc. And it helps me grow the podcast and make it sound better and all of that stuff. 
Uh, my stand-up tour show Hench, which was stopped in its tracks by the old lockdown, is rescheduled mainly into the new year when hopefully the world will have fully been able to wake back up again. Tickets are all on my website, jessicafosterq.com, with a few places yet to be added, but that will be added, including Manchester. Keep an eye on that. If you go to the My Doings page, that's where you can get tickets to all of those tour dates. If you already had tickets, you should have been contacted by the venue. Um, anyway, let's get into this, shall we? Arabella and me talked over Zoom, as is the way again sometimes now, uh, and we walloped a bowl of soup for our lunch. Very glamorous. We do talk very bluntly about weight and parental influence on eating and self-perception, so if you're needing to steer clear of that, be warned. Uh, we do get deep into it. Some of this is as sad as sad gets, but don't worry, because it always gets funny again. Let's have it. Everything's recording. Marvellous. Um, my soup is... Oh, I keep headbutting my own microphone. I'm, and I'm, I'm late for this. And, and your peripheral vision obviously isn't all that. Yeah. <laughs> If you're headbutting um, your own mic, because no, you do know exactly. it's there. I know it's there. Still keep giving it the occasional nut. Yeah, it's new, uh, like though. like a like a sort of nodding dog. Yeah. What like is it. your soup, please, Jess, this evening? <laughs> in is. yourself personally. I made it. I can't oh. remember exactly what went into it, but it's um, definitely butternut squash, and I just wrote creamy butternut squash on the Tupperware. So, is it your podcast soup? Yeah. Because I bought a soup specifically for the occasion. Did you? Mine is a bespoke. Um, bought, not oh. made. Okay. Uh, I think I might make soup again, but today's actually rather sunny, so it didn't feel very, very soupy. It doesn't feel like a soupy day. No, it doesn't feel like a soupy day. It's but... not... Soupy vegetables are, are um, in season. Do you, um, oh. get a, do you get a fruit and veg box? No, of course I fucking don't. I don't know uh, if you do or don't. We no, just, I mean, I realise, I realise, no, because we met at your Edinburgh show mm. uh, when I very generously, because you did it for free and you had that drop box uh, at the front that you were very boldly, it was one of the first things I admired about you, you were shaking it. You did your show. Shaking it? Well, not quite like a <laughs> in Harley Street, but you, um, with, a, with a poorly written sign. Um, no, you were sort of standing there with a yellow, I believe, bucket. Yes, yeah, bright yellow was, bucket they give you in the monkey barrel. And I just thought I could no sooner have done that in a quadrillion years. Really? It's bad enough being on stage where, in my mind, I know everyone has come. Uh, do you know my friend Kieran Hodgson? Um, yes. He, uh, well, he's, he loves this idea. That, so you've spent, in my case, sort of between 18, 19 pounds to about 21 to come and see me in a theatre mm. because you hate me. And that's why you've come to let me know. You don't mind spending that money because you've got to let me know how much you loathe me. So the <laughs> idea that at the end of the show, and obviously I do my best, and then the idea that at the end of the show I'd come out with a bucket and go, now you can tell me to my face how much yeah. you dislike me, um, yeah. particularly well, by dropping in do, nothing. Yeah, people will pop pop nothing in or um, worse, actually. Uh, well, because historically I've done shows on the free fringe where doesn't Kieran do his shows or certainly did. He used to. Yeah. And Stuart we were in the Goldsmith, same venue, he does it, yeah. Yeah, and um, people would pop a... I had uh, more than once people pop a button in. Just pop but a little then there button be able to, uh, I bet... Most people are going to be listening to this podcast because what the world's been waiting for is to hear me eat and talk at the same time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what everybody likes. Nobody doesn't yeah, know yeah. that. Yeah. Um, they just thank the lucky stars I'm not picking my nose and eating it. 
They um, don't know. It's audio only. It's all uh, audio uh, only, they, but they are. They can hear me. Look at that. There's some little bit, <laughs> little bit of Tuscan bean ooh, crunching ooh, down that. Little bit of carrot. I should try and guess. I should try and guess what's in your soup from a Tuscan oh, bean. Oh, you and saw carrot. a pick. Yes, well done. It looked like um, it looked like it had us. It had um, we had a. It looked like a minestrone. It was a chunky. It was and is a no. It is and is about to be a was a chunky, a hearty. They're obviously you know health and not health and safety advertising standards. It said yeah. Italian like chunky minestrone. Italian like chunky minestrone. Oh, it's uh, like a Italian adjacent. <laughs> Italian adjacent. <laughs> By that we don't mean Switzerland. We just mean. <laughs> We mean, don't write to us and say that is not an Italian minestrone. We said Italian adjacent, <laughs> peripheral Italian. Um, yes, it's got carrots. Lovely. Potatoes. Celery. Never a big fan of celery. And I don't know why people always say, oh, it adds, it's vital to add the flavour. And you go, there's no flavour in celery. What could it possibly be adding? Some people have told me they think it tastes of pepper. Um I've, I've said it before on this podcast, and I think it just tastes of punishment. It tastes of sort of string and water and self-hatred. Yeah. It's such a Oh, it's a definitely in there. It's the dieters. It is. Yeah. It's the dieters' um, um, hair, shirt, um, hair shirt, isn't it? Totally. Because I don't know, did you have it? No, you've, you've gone. gone. I've gone. You've gone. You've vanished. You did. Suddenly you went. Oh. You're back. I'm back. Good. She's back in the room. Did you ever have that thing... Um, that's, I mean, we'll, we'll get into this, you and I, but did you ever have that, I don't know if it's a myth, but we're told that. Um, I know what you're going to say, celery was um, calorie deficit. Yes, negative yes. calories. You burnt more chewing it and digesting it than you could ever Absolute get to because it's rubbish. string. Yeah. Oh, and you know, and all that sort of start your day with a hot lemon. Did you used to diet? Oh, oh thought, God. I thought yeah. all my work was done here. I thought you, Generation, just went this way. I look like and get on with it, bruv. No. No? No, I dieted from the age of um, eight or nine and uh, till about 32, 33. Oh, and is that why you're marrying a lady so that you don't have to diet anymore? Because obviously to keep a fella, you've got to keep nice and slim. A fella don't want you unless you're lovely and slim. This is a joke, by the way, in case it's not. It's sounding like a meaning. <laughs> Jess is probably thinking, oh, my God, is she like um, for real? Oh, God. Um, um, yeah, well, I imagine two women's neuroses together in a relationship about their bodies. Mm, yum in my tongue. Have you noticed that supermarkets, Greek yoghurt often says Greek-style yoghurt now? Oh, Rather than Greek adjacent. Yes. Um, I ha- ah, now I thought I'd rather brilliantly notice the Italian like mm. um, uh, on the soup box when I just got it. Uh, I, I think I maybe have Greek. No, don't they say Greek style? Yes. Not Greek like. It says Greek, Greek style. Greek style yogurt. Greek mm. style. Nobody wants a Greek style, do they? <laughs> Um, unless it's um, <laughs> Statlet's Flats. Oh, I love that yeah. show. Mm. Proper funny. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you care about eating generally? Oh, that's a good question. Um, As in, if you're the in space... I, I am still, I have to say quite depressingly, that is my first 
go-to place when I'm feeling low. I must yeah. eat less because then I'll be a better person. Um, right. And I hope younger women aren't quite as prone to that. But I think, so So a lot is the answer, probably nine yeah. to ten. Mm. So when I'm sort of being, in inverted commas, good, and I'm afraid I still call it good, although that's not what I believe in, then yeah. I'm sort of eating better. I think, no, I have managed to get to a place where if I have an ice cream, I can have the ice cream without going, see what a bad person you are. You yeah. will now not get fill in the gap, the mm -hmm. job, the bloke, the money, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So I would say I probably care about anything sliding, slithering between eight and 10. Fine. Sometimes even an 11. Sometimes we go all the way up to an 11. And I think that's it's so interesting, isn't it? Like, uh, it, even in conversation about like, just as simple as how much you care about food, it's like, on the one hand, it means I get really excited by it. I think about it all the time. And I think people who've never had any complications with eating answer that question in line terms of like, oh my God, yeah, uh, I think about it all the time, whatever. Or you get people who go, mm, it's just fuel to me. And then you get 99% of women who go, yeah, it consumes more of my thoughts than I'd like it to because it's so much more complicated than fuel or just joy joyfulness. Uh, well, um, yes, it's never uncomplicated for women, is it? Um, is it, do you think you'd fare well um, somewhere like on a space mission where you're only allowed pouches that all tasted of the same dust? Are you into like I'm flavour and variety a, and all I'm that? A, you know, I love, you know, I'm not a good cook and I don't care about good cooking, but I love right. it when someone else does it. Yes. So I will not sort of marinate the aubergines overnight and do this and do that because I'm just thinking, oh, for fuck's sake. But... Uh, when someone else has, I love it. So I admire good cooks. Yeah. Um, but I think I'd fare very well indeed, thank you, on uh, a space mission or anything like that because I'm a very good team player. I think. Are you? I think I am. Most people think I'm just incredibly bossy, but I think I'm a rather good team player. <laughs> um, and I would love... The thing I've yearned for all my life is for someone else to provide the food for me. So mm. even if it was a slither of sort of, you know, desiccated mashed potatoes and a kind of shrunken piece of beef, I just think, thank God somebody else has thought about this. It's six o'clock, we're all the astronauts, we all suck the potato out. <laughs> and then, you know, we chew on our bit of meat and then we have a dried piece of apple and it's done. As long as it was enough. <laughs> Um, I was not provided much written about by me. I was not fed as a child. I mean, quite literally not fed, and that's in my show as well. Um, mm. Because my mother, who was Scottish, and I'm not saying all Scots are like this, but she was very much the kind of Calvinist, food is fuel, food is not for enjoyment, and should you go down the road of enjoying it, then you're a gluttonous pig. Uh, and, and that way kind of, you know, that way all sorts of things like you know, having sex for enjoyment, you know, all that kind of thing lies. Um, so my, the, my, I'm just so grateful when somebody else cooks for me. Yeah. Um, so I'd just be saying, I'd just be going back to NASA. Thank you for providing my desiccated potato pouch. That we all suck at the same time. Yes, yeah, so as long as we're so all delicious. sharing it together. I wouldn't like it if someone was yeah. trying to have that potato before me. Then I'd get anxious. <laughs> that would be awful, wouldn't it, if you're out in space? And, uh, and Peter, you, you Peter. <laughs> Peter, Peter, have you? Peter, it's that, not potato o'clock. Peter, have you got a curly whirly? <laughs> Peter, uh, I, I'm just having potato. Yes, where, I, where was that in my package? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Peter. Um, yeah, yeah. You, it, everyone would have to be having the same. But it's so interesting, actually, the stress that gets taken out of it. I think um, just on a, a very practical level, that explains the huge success amongst those who can afford it, of those like... Um, Oh, hello, fresh. Yeah, uh, and all those ones. Some of them are basically very swanky ready meals and stuff, aren't they? Where, oh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, if you if you said to a Martian, I'm going to have to have, well, not a Martian, just, you know, somebody, or an Italian, not even an Italian-like, just an actual Italian. Yes, I get a box delivered to my house with the right amount of salt and pepper in it. They go, <laughs> what? I mean, it is sort of counterintuitive, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, it is a kind of, it's a sort of nanny slash cook, isn't it? Yeah, and then you've got all the kind of that. No small thanks to Jamie Oliver. The kind of hey, we're all just guys doing it together, having a fun time. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's provision of food is at the mm. absolute. It's at the nexus, isn't it, of how you feel loved, how you feel cared for. I mean, that's why it's so hugely important to feed your children properly and well, because yeah. that is how they'll sort of get a sense of themselves, um, yeah, and, which and, is why, uh, yes, I wasn't fed well. So Yeah, I, I normally love to ask people about eating growing up, but I'm sort of confusingly trepidatious, but also desperate to get into this with you because of, of the things you've written about your parents. And your show's called Does My Mum Look Big In This? Is that no, right? Does My Mum Loom? Big. Does my mum loom big in this? Because it's a yes, it's oh. a play on does my bum look big in this, but it's does my mum loom big in this, i.e. my life? And the answer yeah. of course is yes. Yes. She looms very large in my life despite having been dead for oh, eleven years. Yeah. Crikey. Mm-hmm. Um but you quoted in an article I mean in an article you said that she said more than once, watching you eat it's like having hot knives stuck into my eyes. Oh, yes, much more than once, every time. And then as I got older, she'd do things like, say, I'm so lonely, darling. She was Scottish, but had very posh. Uh, Darling, please come round for a glass of wine. And I never learned that it was always a trap. So um, she'd have a nice bottle of wine because she had money and good taste. Um, And like lots of people do, she'd sort of put out a bowl of nuts and some expensive crisps and stuff. And then it would literally go, oh, I mean, are you going to pour yourself an enormous glass like that? I go, well, you know. And then, oh, God, darling, you're not going to eat the nuts. Good God! It's like what? No, it's like having hot pins stuck in my eyes watching you eat nuts. And then off you go. You're so fat. And, darling, are you ever going to learn? And you don't understand. And uh, you'll never lose the weight. Her worst one was uh, when I was about four months pregnant with my first child. She said, oh, "Oh, my God, you're so fat. Um, she couldn't try to sort of look at it. She couldn't really help herself. Yeah. She liked fighting more than anything in the world. Right. So, I mean, she wouldn't, she was a socialist, but she might even have gone, if you went, Thatcher's the worst thing that ever happened to the country, she wouldn't quite have gone to actually Thatcher's, but she would have gone, she'd have gone for a fight with you, for example, about sort of, you know, it being a feminist issue. She'd just right. fight with you about the time of day. If you said it's 11 o'clock on a Tuesday, she'd say, no, it isn't. And then off you'd go. But I think, what was it? I think my mother was jealous of me. And I, and I think she genuinely believed that if I wasn't thin and pretty, things would be much harder for me. And she was probably right in that way. It's just that 
because of you know my generation and sort of how, what a door opener being a looker is, yeah. um, particularly for women. But I think it's true for men as well. You know, you 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 look at the boys my my now twenty one year old summers at school with, and you just the the pretty boys, you know, the good looking boys. You just think, yeah, of course things are easier for them because things are easier for good looking people. Yeah. Um, but I think my mother was just filled with rage. She was angry and she yeah. was very disappointed. She was she was of that generation and class where, of course, you went to Oxford or Cambridge, but of course you didn't have a job thereafter. You were just someone's wife. And I think she was filled with frustration. And I think she, did she like me? Uh, I don't know that she liked me. Um, she, I, she was my child. I say all that in the show. Basically, what she yeah. did was made herself my child. And either I was born to be a coper or, or having a child for a mother, I became a coper. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was my mother's mother right from, oh, I was probably about eight. One of my favorite stories that I do tell in the show is, and my parents have split up. My dad's moved to another country, thousands of miles away. And I say to my mother, what's for supper? And I'm about eight. And she looks at me and she says, how the fuck should I know? <laughs> I remember thinking, right, I'm on my own. Um, oh yeah, she was just, God. I think looking back, she just wasn't very, she wasn't equipped. You know, yeah. you know very well, it's a very hard job being a mother and she was not oh, cut out for it. She just wasn't cut out for it. And in a time, I suppose, and from a generation for whom you don't talk to anyone about that, you don't ever yes. admit that, and you you put on a front that you yeah, do and not ever say, I can't cope with this. And actually oh, that... I'm not cut out for this. Well, I, I, also that cuts across the classes, because uh, as I say, she was incredibly privileged and educated, yeah. but she... Um, I don't think it would have mattered if she was from a mining village outside Hull. You did not go. I mean, the very idea that you would say, this is really hard work and I'm not coping. I don't think you'd have even known how to articulate that. I think people would have just gone, what are you talking about? Somebody up the road's yeah. got nine kids. Somebody's a yeah. cleaner and she's got three kids. Um, I think my mother was, it was not a happy marriage. And she was incredibly unsatisfied and literally didn't have a clue. Did not have a clue. And you know what it's like, it, you know, it's it's a sort of constant thing, isn't it? Um, well, it's a it, relentless, was what a friend of mine who's a very good dad said when I was pregnant with my second child, he said, it's relentless. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think she had absolutely no outlet, no outlet, nobody to talk to. My dad wouldn't, my dad certainly wouldn't have gone, oh, poor you, would you like a bit of help? Um, <laughs> shall we talk about it? <laughs> and she was, the, the, her generation in the 60s, well, it was the beginning of feminism and, you know, people writing books about, there's a very, there's something wife, a surrendered wife, I can't remember, but there's a very mm. famous book. Yeah. Basically, when they began, when people began to articulate, um, Gloria Steinem, Brett, Betty Friedan, she wrote, it's going to drive me mad now, Betty Friedan. Yeah, I just watched that Mrs. America series as well. Oh, I must watch that. It's, it's extraordinary. Well... You know, um, incredible. I'm, I'm going to have to... The Betty Friedan one was the one that sort of yeah. changed it for everybody. And, of course, people like my mother, who was super um, uh, super intellectual and stuff, they would read everything. And she wrote The Feminine Mystique. That's it. 
And it, uh, it's credited, and my parents were living in America in the late um, uh, 50s and early 60s. So, of course, yeah, I think that sort of helped mum a bit, but not much. Yeah. Because, I mean, I talked to, obviously, two and a half years of this podcast, and a lot of the time... Oh, is it? Yeah, oh. a, a lot a lot of, of the time, people's um, complications with food can, in some part, be put down to some deeply imperfect, right through to flawed parenting in terms of the messages given or the um, the ideology shown, if not said. Um, it, uh, 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 Right, I mean, and in, in my case, I had uh, a, have a dad who's can only really show love through feeding a massive feeder, but with that, oh. a simultaneous absolute hatred of fat, fat people and fatness. Oh, is so, he? And he's uh, not overweight? No, never. So has he been. hates fat never people, but he goes, here, have another one. Have some more, I have some more, this. have some more, have some more, have is some he more. English? Here's some biscuits, here's this. Yeah, Austrian, half Austrian. I was going to um, say, Englishmen aren't like that. His, uh, his mum was like that. She was a sparrow as well, but right. feeders, essentially feeders. But then like it, it, their family joke was once my Austrian grandmother was overheard saying to my granddad, um, you are so fit, have another piece of cake. Like, it's so <laughs> confusing. Um, but yeah, I mean, your story does sound particularly extreme, like particularly acute. It is particularly extreme. I mean, it's really... Sad. It is sad that you were spoken to like that as a kid when you were, yeah, you know, inventing your relationship with eating and with your body. And not that those things are necessarily come hand in hand, but you can't entirely untangle them. It's, Do they not? Really I would. I would argue that they. Mm, I hope not anymore. But I would argue that your body image is absolutely symbiotically related to how you're fed. How could it not be? Because if you're, to, do you really? Do you think? Another biscuit is a good idea, Jess. The yeah. moment you said that when you're six. Yeah, that's it. You're going to think, well, of course it's a good idea because I liked the first biscuit and I want another one. But the <laughs> moment it becomes about who you are as a person and what you look like, mm-hmm. then how could, you know, how could it not have so much to do with now? How do I know? How do I calibrate how much I want this biscuit, this second biscuit or even the first biscuit in my case? How do I calibrate how much I actually want it now that I know it's got, it informs who I am as a person and what I look like and how much people will like me and how bad or good a person I am. It's an absolute minefield. Even conversations with my four-year-old, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I'm trying very hard to do it right and kind of let, let him have what he wants. But ultimately he wants to eat constantly and he ideally would just have sugary stuff constantly. But crisps, so there's this sugar, crisps, yeah. sugar. So you find so 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 you just it's about oh god, finding the language to not be like oh basically let him have as much as you can possibly let him have of things without feeling like you're going abusively down the other, other I end think, of the spectrum. I mean, of, I, my kids oh. are both my daughter's a very good cook and that's I'm very proud of that and she is the one who sort of will soak the aubergines and you know do all that she really cares about all that and neither of them are overweight and I'm sure they would say I'd done a bad job with eating but what I definitely never ever did was did good food bad food or any kind of you this is what this says about you as a person 
Yeah. I mean, that is, I have to say, sparing the uh, sensitivity of any Scots listening to this, the Scottishness that I was brought up with was what you eat is apps, what you choose to eat and the amount is absolutely tied to the who you are as a person. Uh, there's wow. no question about that. Well, you know, greed and um, that's, you know, it's pretty Calvinistic, but it's pretty yeah. English as well, isn't it? The whole kind of, you know, a, a good person only eats an oat cake, a bad person <laughs> has, a, has an eclair, um, you know, lazy fat people. I mean, I, I did a lot of research when I was writing a sort of memoir um, about 10 years ago called The Real Me is Thin. And yes. fat people are much less likely, overweight people are much less likely to be employed because yeah. we all think, well, they must be lazier than that thin go-getter who tells you his favorite thing to do is run a marathon. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, that's, it's kind of um, undeniable, I think. Thin privilege, they call it, don't they? Um, oh, I've never heard that. Yeah, and I it like comes that. hand in hand with fat phobia. If we all have, it's very deeply ingrained into all of us that if someone is fat, then they must be unhealthy, they must be lazy, they must be greedy. And then there's other things on top of that that people can... I like that, thin privilege. I'm going to use that. I'm yeah, going to say to someone... I'm going to say to someone next time I'm in the queue at the supermarket, hey, don't be trying to use your thin privilege. <laughs> See how that gets, how far that gets me. Check your, check your thin privilege, please. Hey, you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I mean, it's undeniable in acting, undeniable. I mean, it's the way that agents talk to their clients and about weight loss and they can never be thin. You can literally never be too thin. I went to see, um, this is awful because it's talking about someone specific. I went to see the one big Hollywood blockbuster that's been out since um, Tenet. lockdown. Yes, there we yeah. go. Um, and it's only got two women in it anyway. Um, uh, but the one who has... They it, don't, you know, sorry, Jess, can I just stop you there? They don't really have to have any women in it because it's got a black guy as a lead. 
So, they, so they've sort of like, done they've that. done that. They've kind of done that. Yeah. We've done and minorities. So uh, well, women. The women is brown as well. Oh, the older woman is brown. Right, great. Yeah. Marvellous. So they absolutely have covered everything. Um, but I don't know the actress's name. She's tiny blonde lady who plays his, the baddie's partner in it. And it's the film sort of rumbles along. It is what it is. It's a romp. Very confusing. Made me feel a bit queasy. And then at one point she's in just a sort of camisole. And oh, um, she is. I was like, oh, Jesus. Uh, both my partner and me stopped and were like, oh, she she looks really ill. She's really, it's really bo- like bones, bones. It's been a long, long time. There's no, don't think many people are physiologically, it, she looks very, very unwell, small. And I was like, fucking hell. Like, we don't, um, oh God, it's mad. It's mad that that's the norm in Hollywood, that, that, that we're not looking at that going, hang on. Uh, what's going on? Yeah. Like, uh, um, I think they're doing a better job in television. Because yes. have you watched the fantastic show Succession? Yes, I haven't seen series two yet. But but the daughter, I mean, she's yeah. slim and attractive, but yeah. she's by no means skeletal. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, she's amazing. She's great. Uh, but and I it, bet if she gets a Hollywood career, we'll see her go down in size. Totally. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because there's such a juxtaposition with the women in videos, in, you know, pop videos. I mean, not people like Kylie. They're all super thin, but... Yes, I mean, there are a generation now of like, you know, us big bums are fashionable in pop stars. I don't know. Yeah, but only, but not fat. No, you have to have like a Photoshop tiny little tum and then a big bum bum under that. Yeah, so we're back to sort of, you know, it's renaissance, but it's not, yeah, your waist is to be unhealthily thin. It's only possible with surgery or... uh, yeah, you could oh. have a rib taken out, and I don't mind. <laughs> that means I'm going to get a boyfriend. <laughs> oh, God. Well, look, um, I now want to know how you saw the light, because I think to have come from that background to be, you know, what, how could you possibly end up in any other situation other than a lifetime of dieting or I... change to seeing the light? Was there a therapist or a lover or a friend or oh, no, uh, a parenting experience? Uh, no, it's humour. Or... It's always been humour. Really? I, from, from early, early on, tiny, I knew I was sort of um, bouncy. Obviously, I didn't sort of, you know, at three and four, I hadn't got a kind of wit uh, honed, but I knew I was bouncy and energetic. And I remember making people laugh at primary school. I, I went to loads of different primary schools because my dad was moving around the world all the time before they split up. And I yearned to be at the same school and make, you know, friends. But so I always knew I had to hit the ground running. And I remember making, actually, when I went to secondary school, my parents had split up and I knew I was going to be at that school for the whole time, not move every two years. And almost in the first sort of day or second day, I made the whole room laugh. I'm afraid to admit at the expense of the teacher, but you know, you do you work with the material you've got and, um, the whole class laughed and I didn't know all of them. I only knew one of them. And I thought, okay, I'm home and dry now. And obviously it took many years, but what I'm, I remember thinking, I've got to keep this up. I've got to be naughty. I've got to be rude. I've got to be funny. It's not just, it's not enough to just be rude. I'm going to have to be funny. And some of the teachers actually kind of, you know, couldn't help but be amused by me. Uh, but obviously all the kids um, thought I was fantastic because I was fearless. And yeah. I remember thinking, if I can make people laugh, I'll be okay. And then, of course, I always, you know, I never stopped seeing my parents. I would see them and my father every single time would go, 
um, nuts are fattening, darling, or whatever it was. And then I would do a big shtick of nuts are fattening. Now you're going to tell nuts are fattening. Now you're going to next you're going to tell me chocolate. What? And my father, yes, all right, all right. But, you know, he never, they both went on about my size and what I could eat and my entire Jesus. life. Neither of them gave up. Not for a moment. And I guess it was sink I or swim. But it's, I find it unbearable that, I mean, it is, you t- I, I mean, it's our armour. Humour is armour and also power, isn't it? It's a currency, just like, you know, good looks and yeah. thinness are. And you if can you have can funny make... privilege. Well, but I don't call also, it a privilege because we earned it. Thin yeah, we did. Just you know, we earned it. Yeah. Have you watched yeah. that show Shrill? Yeah, I love it. But of course, uh, I found myself thinking, yeah, but she is quite fat. Yeah, that's the point. Yeah, but I. And then oh, I'm right, thinking, you, had, you were thinking, okay, what? And I, oh, okay. And no, I'm thinking, yeah, you are quite fat, and you're probably a little bit too fat for your general health. Now, I know I shouldn't be saying too fat, but what I mean is that's, again, the kind of Mm. uh, internal discussion I have the whole time because I'm thinking, well, after a certain weight, you are going to be putting a strain on your organs and that is going to be a problem. Yeah. You be who you like. Uh, But, you know, anyway, yes, you see, I really am a secret fascist, but I'm not really, (laughs) only with myself. But, but yeah, it's, but that's... It's, that, it's very... So this, so this podcast and my show and everything are all good and well, but the vast majority of people in the world do still think that. And if that's the noise we've been brought... Not just brought up with, so extremely in your case, but actually that most people still think that it's actually, I think, still quite a, quite a rare and burgeoning baby fetus of an idea that you can be in a fat body, a properly fat body, and potentially still be healthy. As in, you can be strong, you can have good, great cardio, you can, uh, ultimately, you can be in a body that's the size of the actor in that shrill, but that if you, you diet, it's going to work for a bit and then that will come back on. You yeah. know, in, a, in your lifetime of dieting, that I had a, a fair lifetime of as well, I, I did sort of start to notice by my mid-twenties that every time I lost two stone, three stone, five stone, ah. one stone... Uh, lots of different stones of losses and whenever it came back it would come back a bit more and then it would sort of be well, balanced around somewhere between a, a weight and another weight like a, between a stone's throw. It's a scientific fact that dieting makes you fat because not yeah. only do dieters regain the weight they've 98% I did all this when I did the book The Real Me Is yeah. Thin 98% of, no 78% of dieters don't just regain the weight they've lost. They add, they gain another seven to ten pounds. Yeah, that, that's, that and that's makes over half bad. a stone. And it does. And if you look at, there's an amazing book um, called The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Duna. Um, and uh, the, the, it just looks at America. But the, um, the one of the most striking things in it quite early on is that the... The rise of obesity in America, it goes up in exact correlation with the rise of the diet industry and the beginning of the celebrity oh, diet. Brilliant. So it's just hand in hand, actually. The more people dieting, the fatter people are getting. Wow. And it's not to say, I think it's almost climate change denial to say that there's not a certain point of fatness that's not 
health physically healthy there has to be like an off point exactly the same way there's a certain point of thinness where you're like yeah that person's definitely malnourished and on the uh, it's definitely a mental illness of some sort there's definitely not a great relationship with eating going on here and that's got to be the same right up the other end of the spectrum i think and that's probably going to really upset some some very very extreme fat activists but i don't think i could be more on the same page of them as them and one of them up to like maybe I don't know. It's just, it's so hard to kind of burgeon between that common sense and the bit of you that knows that it only thinks those things about that fat person because of all the toxic noise that you've consumed. And how few people know this stuff that about that. Oh, God, if yes. You put, if you diet, the more weight you'll put on. Say scrum diddly umptious. No! And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Now, I was late, so I don't want to keep you for ages longer, but I'm going to ask you just some general silly things. Okay? Anything that you think uh, demands to be eaten in a particularly ritualistic way. Lots of people have, for example, a very specific way of getting through a uh, cabbage cream egg or... Uh, I cannot abide a Cadbury's cream egg. It's, oh, the central... The I mean, I like a sweet thing, but that the inside bit is... <laughs> what must be eaten in a particularly ritualistic way? Cock, I suppose. <laughs> um, Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Didn't see that coming. And it's been a while, but I gather there, <laughs> there are rules and there are definitely rituals to that. So, definitely yes, right. other than that, I can't really think of anything. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> proper curveball. Good. Uh, five, five second rule, yes or no? Oh, God, yeah, five-minute five rule, five-hour rule, I don't care. Beautiful. I'm all over. I'm very bohemian. I mean, yeah, <laughs> maybe drop it in the street there. I don't know, but, yeah. I mean, if it's on being on the floor, I'll eat it, for crying out loud. You're not actually going to fish it out of a dog's turd? I know. I'm, just not, on the I'm floor. not going through yes. the bins yet, but, uh, yeah. yeah, no. Really enjoyed Absolutely. it yet. Hangover, what are you having? Oh, Hangover. Well, I like, I go, because of course that's what booze does, it raises your insulin. So for me, a hangover dream answer would be a pano raisin, mm. uh, as it must be called, because I don't really know what it's called in English, a pano raisin. Um, that's quite good, pano raisin, pano raisin. Um, yeah, something sweet. Oh, yeah. but, oh, I know actually what, because I haven't had a hangover for a long time. Uh, it would be both sweet and sour. It would be pancakes with bacon maple syrup. Oh, yes. Fat. You've got your salts. Yeah. You've got your oiliness. You've got your stodge. Got your sugar. Got yeah, you've got everything oh. you need. Got everything you need. Throw in a few blueberries if you want to make it healthy, but uh, yeah. Don't feel you have to. Um, oh, what about this? If there was no other option, would you eat a person? Or... You made it sound like, would I eat a person? No, it's just, would you eat a person? If there was an option, I'd eat a person. Would you? Yeah. Let's try a person. I don't want to try a person, but I don't know why anyone would get squeamish. You just think, for fuck's sake, we're all on the desert island, you're dead, I'm eating you. I mean, I might not want to look your sort of, you know, your frightened, you know, (laughs) desecrated uh, face in the eye. But yeah, of course I'd eat a person. I've read a lot. Uh, it was a very famous book that when we were at school, it was about a plane crash because the kids on the plane were, well, young men, were all the same sort of age as me. We were all at school and this book, 
um, and half of them died and half of them didn't. And they were stuck in the Andes for something like, don't write me a letter, but like three months. And they ate the people who died. Uh, were they a rugby team or something? Yeah, that's right. It was a very famous yeah. story, a rugby team. In like Venezuela, it, but, uh, Argentina, something like Chile. And they ate each other. But I mean, why not? Yeah, suck in. But I mean, I'm not saying, would I kill someone to eat them? No, absolutely right. not. If they were dead, would I eat them? Sure, if they hadn't gone off. Why not? Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Humans start turning into elephants, which sounds amazing. Think of the peanuts uh, and how strong our backs would be. But actually, it's a fucking disaster. Everybody has massive issues about their leathery trunks. It turns out that remembering everything is actually awful because some degree of ignorance is absolutely necessary for sanity. Elephant Ageddon is a proper disaster, but luckily it's agreed to vanish back into imagination. But only if you, and weirdly, it does have to be you clear out a hoarder's attic and for reference there's someone who's kept two copies of every edition of Take a Break magazine and it takes many hours and it's knackery and it sounds impossible but you do it you're the hero of all people forever and ever and ever you've saved humanity from becoming elephants so um, you can imagine you're absolutely happy as a clam as high as you could possibly be but also you're starving hungry because you've just done clearing out this hoarder's nest uh, so imagine you're the happiest and hungriest you've ever been. It's the opposite of a last meal. It's like the happy situation version. Mm. And your reward in the moment is the feast of your dreams. And it's fantasy. So I don't want anything to be healthy, ethical, possible. It can be impossible if you want, but I certainly don't want this to have any boundaries. I don't really have fantasies about food, but I would have my real fantasy doesn't involve food so much, although I do like a food, uh, it would be able to drink as much as I, to drink so much, but to keep enjoying it. So right. my fantasy meal would be probably a very dry champagne um, and some salty snacks without, yeah. uh, oh, the real joy would be to not have in my head someone going, oh God, darling. Because of course it takes a long time to rid yourself of that voice. So yeah. I don't think I'll ever, ever not hear, oh, God, darling, it's like having hot pins stuck in my eyes. Um, but I will, I will have a salty snack. Oh, or a chicken liver pate puree on a dry wow. piece. It's like a sort of a crostini, really. I do like, mm. a, do like a chicken liver um, pate. It's uniquely Italian um, and made with port. Uh, then I would like, I'm not that big on meat, but I wouldn't mind, oh, I don't know. I just want the booze. I want the booze and yeah. the salty snacks. I yeah, want to then lovely. go on to a nice, fine, really nice, fine, not too heavy red and a huge bowl of crisps. Yes, yes, Maybe yes. Maybe a dip to yes. soak up stuff. Um, I don't know, throw in a crudite if you must, but, uh, you know... The the real joy for me, if someone said, what would your happiest meal be? It would be someone saying, you never have to cook again. If I someone gave me a cook, wow. they could do what they like. But I'd like yes. a cook. I'd like a Some cook. Some days they Not could just do nuggets. A cook. If I had to do one <laughs> or the other, it'd be a cook. Just change one letter and I'll have that over the other. If someone just went, someone is in your life who cooks and provides for you food for you, I'd just be... That'd be it. Brilliant. Oh, how lovely. What a lovely answer. 
follow Arabella Weir on the internet. It's Arabella, W-E-I-R, on Twitter. She's amazing. Also, her show is Does My Mum Loom Big In This? Uh, much like mine, her tour has been rescheduled into uh, February onwards next year. Um, details of where to get tickets are all over her Twitter and also in the podcast notes for this episode, as are links to everything that we mentioned, all the TV shows, all the funny people, etc. Just check out the podcast notes. Um, and do please go and see her tour show. It sounds as important as it will be really funny. Um, I also have a tour rescheduled in into 2021 go to jessicafosterq.com to see for tickets to that um, feel free to support the podcast with lovely reviews and recommendations or with sweet sweet cash on acast supporter or patreon again links in the podcast notes make sure you're following the podcast on social media at the hoovering pod and me please at jessica foster you can tweet me i love to hear from you if you want to email me you can do that through my website as well Huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.